Welcome to Darren Daily On Demand, your most trusted resource to help you become better every day. Here's your success mentor, Darren Hardy. A multiple time business masterclass alumni and a superhero in our hero's journey community and a super human being and good friend, Rod Gaston, sent me a book titled Beyond Valor, a story of extraordinary heroism, sacrificial love, and a race against time. The central story of that book explains what we are up to here every workday morning together. On April 12, 1945, Red Irwin's life changed forever. Red was the radio operator aboard a Boeing uh, B-29 super fortress named the City of Los Angeles. At 2 a.m., Red and his crewmates assembled for what would be one of the longest distance missions ever attempted against Japan, a round trip of 3,041 miles. Their target was a chemical plant 120 miles north of Tokyo and of great strategic importance for the war effort. Red's Super Fortress was the lead plane, or the Pathfinder, in a legion of 85 B-29 bombers. When the B-29 neared the coast of Japan, anti-aircraft batteries peppered the sky with exploding shells. Now, once B-29s are committed to their flight path, there's very little that they can do in the way of evasive maneuvers. They just had to continue straight to their target no matter what. Survival was a game of chance. As Red's plane approached the city of their target, it was 9.30 a.m. in the morning. The sun illuminated the horizon. Following standard attack procedure, Red began to prepare to drop a series of multicolored smoke grenades and one white phosphorus bomb through a three and a half foot chute in the plane deck. These flares would tumble from the bottom of the plane to mark the assembly point for the other planes, which were spread out over dozens of miles. The planes would then rally on the flares and form into a broad formation. This is a duty Red had done many times before in training and in combat. As the radio operator, the opening for the chute was near his feet. First, Red dropped the smoke grenades through the chute He then picked up the 20 pound, 16 inch long steel canister containing the explosive white phosphorus, carefully pulled the arming pin, set the six second delayed action fuse, and then dropped it through the chute. Red was bare armed and bare headed and wore a life preserver flotation device over his shirt. The phosphorus bomb was supposed to fall several hundred feet and then detonate into a hugely highly visible mid-air shower of fire and yellow and white smoke trails to mark the rally point. The phosphorus burned at over a thousand degrees Fahrenheit and produced a spectacular explosion visible for dozens of miles. But something went terribly wrong. Red pulled the pin, released the bomb into the chute, but the fuse malfunctioned and ignited the phosphorus prematurely burning at 1100 degrees. The canister flew back up the chute and into Red's face, blinding him, searing off one ear and obliterating his nose. Phosphorus blanketed Red's upper body with a sticky coating of white phosphorus, burning it now over 1300 degrees Fahrenheit. His face, hair and arms were on fire and his eyes were blinded. The bomb canister flipped around the floor, churning out billows of fire and thick, noxious white and yellow smoke that quickly filled the aircraft to the forward compartment, making it impossible for the pilot to see his instrument panel. And the plane began to go out of control and dive towards the Pacific Ocean at a 60 degree angle. Through a tidal wave of pain, Red's mind focused on two imminent split second catastrophes. The plane was on a path to slam into the Pacific, break apart and sink. And before that could happen, a detonating 
phosphorus canister would easily burn through the plane's metal deck, tumble into the bomb bay, and ignite the bomb load, setting off a spectacular series of explosions that could even detonate the bomber formation that was behind them. Either way, everyone on the plane was doomed. There was theoretically only one way out of this predicament, but it would seem humanely impossible. Red, now blind and on fire, fell to his knees, swept his arms around the deck, frantically trying to feel his way to the bomb. 10 seconds elapsed. Red found the spewing bomb, picked it up with his bare hands and feeling his way, crawled around the gun turret and headed for the co-pilot's window. His face and arms were covered with ignited phosphorus and his path was blocked by the navigator's folding table hinged to the wall and down and locked. The navigator had left his table to make a sighting. Red couldn't release the table's latches with one hand, so he grabbed the white hot bomb between his right arm, bare, and his ribcage. In a few seconds that it took to raise the table, the phosphorus had burned through his flesh to the bone. His body on fire, he stumbled into the cockpit and managed to throw the bomb out of the co-pilot's window, completely aflame. He fell back onto the floor and collapsed between the pilot seats. The smoke cleared enough for the pilot to pull the B-29 out of a dive at 300 feet only above the water. Red's gallantry and heroism above and beyond the call of duty saved the lives of his comrades. His crew members extinguished his burning clothes and administered first aid, but whenever Red's burns were uncovered, phosphorus embedded in his skin would begin to smolder again. White phosphorus is known to cause extremely terrible wounds as the burning chemical cannot be extinguished if oxygen is present and will continue to burn through flesh until it consumes itself or is extricated. It is also toxic. Although in excruciating pain, Red remained conscious throughout the flight and spoke only to inquire about the safety of the crew. Once on Iwo Jima, the medical personnel who examined Red expected him to die at any time. President Truman quickly ordered that Red be awarded the Medal of Honor, the highest honor of the American military before the young airman died of his wounds. There was just one problem. No Medals of Honor were available in the entire Pacific theater. General Curtis LeMay dispatched a squad of airmen on a thousand mile mission to smash their way into a display case and steal a medal to give to Red before his time ran out. Miraculously, Red survived his burns. He was flown back to the United States and after 30 months and 41 surgeries, his eyesight was restored and he remained the he regained the use of one arm. His grandson, the author of the book, finally asked his grandfather the question that had perplexed him for so long. How did you do it? How does a man embrace and carry a phosphorus bomb burning at over a thousand degrees? How do you decide in an instant to sacrifice yourself? His grandfather replied, it is not a choice really, not a conscious one at least. You don't have the time to make a decision. You just do it. You love the men beside you. You'll do anything to save them. It's not really a choice, he said. Whatever is already in your character simply manifests itself in that moment. You see, heroism isn't born in a moment, but in the lifetime leading up to that moment. Whatever is in the character of someone manifests itself in moments of extreme pressure and acts of courage. And Darren Daly, friends, that is what we are doing here each workday morning. Even if you don't think anything miraculous is happening, 
each and every morning here, I am telling you the miracle is growing. Chisel mark by chisel mark. We are shaping, refining, and fortifying your character. As you learn in the hero's journey, a hero is a seemingly ordinary person put into an extraordinary situation. And because of prior growth and development of character, chooses to step up and take action. That is what this process is all about. So you are ready and prepared when the situation demands you to step up and take action. After Red Irwin's extraordinary Medal of Honor situation and his recovery, Red served as a benefits counselor at the Veterans Hospital in Birmingham, Alabama for 37 years, and he died peacefully in his home on January 16, 2002, at the age of 80. I hope one day somebody is telling your heroic story because you were ready for it. Hey, producer Mariana here. In this episode, you heard Darren mention Hero's Journey. Our 2022 class of Hero's Journey is in full swing and sold out. But I wanted to pop on here and quickly let you know that you can put yourself on the reserve list. So this means you will be alerted first in case a spot opens up down the line. Just go to heroesjourney.com or click the link in the show notes. Now, I highly recommend you do this so you don't miss out when we open the 2023 class of Heroes Journey for enrollment. Just go to heroesjourney.com to get your name on the list.